Welcome to the ASSP Safety Standards and Tech Pubs podcast, your source for expert insights on industry consensus standards and ASSP technical publications. I'm your host, Scott Fowler. Implementing an effective occupational safety and health management system is an important step toward continuous safety improvement. In order to evaluate the effectiveness of your system, however, you have to conduct periodic audits to look for gaps and identify areas of improvement. Here to discuss how to plan an OHSMS audit, we're glad to have back Ken Clayman. Ken is lead associate at Booz Allen Hamilton and a safety management specialist with more than 30 years of experience in environmental, health, safety, and quality management. This will be the first in a series of episodes on OHSMS auditing that we'll be bringing you in the coming months to discuss how to carry out an audit and take corrective action to continually improve your safety and health management system. And uh, with that, I'd like to bring on Ken. Uh, Ken, welcome back. It's great to be talking with you again. Thanks, Scott. Good to be here. All right, let's get started. Now, as I mentioned, the auditing process plays a huge role in really helping develop a a safer workplace. looking at, you know, where your safety and health management system is effective, where you could do better. So I thought we could start uh, by kind of giving an overview of the most important elements of an OHSMS audit plan as you, you know, begin to evaluate your system. Sure, sure thing. Just even before that, I want to just kind of step back just a little bit more from that and just talk about just in general, in general, the audit element of ISO 45001 and of any good uh, health and safety management system or even any any kind of management system is that you do some at some type of activities to evaluate your performance and the requirements for internal audit in particular are to evaluate the performance of your management system overall so what the standard is asking organizations to do is develop an audit program. And within that program, they're supposed to define what their audit process is going to involve, who's going to do the audit, and what are the requirements for doing audits, how often they're going to do an audit, things like that. And that's and from there, that's where we start getting into the actual audit work itself. So planning an audit, just like in any process where you use plan, do, check, act as the foundation is a very important aspect of doing an effective assessment of your management system. So the plan is considered typically part of the preparation stage or phase of an internal audit. And in that plan, the kind of things we want to make sure that we identify are who's going to do the audit, the audit team, whether it's one person or several people when the audit's going to occur. Is it going to be a single day? Is it going to go over a number of days? So the dates and then and that sort of thing. We also want to define what the audit is going to include. Now you can include your entire health and safety management system or you can include a part of it. So you've got to identify the scope of each audit when you prior to doing it. We also want to identify what we're going to audit against or what they call the criteria. Uh, Being that we're talking about ISO 45001 and the Occupational Safety and Health Management System, typically part of or the entire standard is going to be among our criteria. But other things that typically are included are the organization's processes, procedures, 
plans and other types of items that define their system. Those are other criteria we're going to use. Your criteria can include contractual information or requirements that you follow. They can include other standards that you follow. In the U.S., uh, under OSHA, under the Occupational Safety and Health Act, we often have a lot of consensus standards such as those uh, identified by the national or created by the National Fire Protection Association or NFPA that are part of OSHA that, that organizations are required to follow. So they might just focus in on those standards as part of their management system audit. So it's important to identify what you're going to audit against. We also want to set objectives for our audit. What are the what are the outcomes that we expect to gain from an audit? That can include identification of conformance with the requirements or with the criteria. It can, it can include uh, identifying opportunities to improve, whether it's the entire system or parts of the system. So we want to establish what we want to expect to be our results or our outcomes from completing the audit. Uh, in the plan, we should include a description. It can be a summary. It doesn't have to be a, a lengthy uh, novel type thing of the methods we're going to use in the audit. Uh, and most audits, and typically the, the methods are going to involve some approach or some aspect of reviewing documentation and records, uh, interviewing people uh, within the areas that the scope involves, and observing the operations or the activities to verify the conformity of, of the activities themselves with the criteria. Usually what most people tend to focus in on in the plan is the audit schedule. And the schedule is identifying where and when and for how long we're going to be in different areas that of the organization and within the scope of the audit. So it'll talk about the auditors, where they're going to be during certain times of each day or during the times that the audit is occurring, what they're going to be looking at and looking for as far as the scope of the audit goes and the criteria they're reviewing it against, and then who they're going to be talking to. Very importantly in the schedule, we want to identify interviewees and the, um, and the times that you're going to be talking with those folks. And then finally, uh, a major aspect of, of an audit plan is identifying the roles and responsibilities, both for the auditors and for other personnel who may be involved in the audit. You might have uh, technical experts that are involved in the audit. Typically, their role when you include technical experts is to help the auditors to identify appropriate questions and areas of, of information that they want to focus in on, but they're not the ones that are actually auditing. You could have guides, you can have observers, you can have auditors in training. So we want to make sure we identify those other people involved in the audit and what it is they're expected to do. I just want to also point out that much of this information that I'm talking about can be found in another ISO standard, a guidance standard uh, known as ISO 19011, um, which is the Management Systems Audit Guidance Standard. Okay, great. Now, what you were just uh, talking about there, that's a, a good segue with so many different roles and responsibilities being identified in the planning process. There's a lot of different individuals involved, as you mentioned. So when you're thinking about, you know, your your internal audit team, 
who are the individuals who may be on that team and what might some of those different roles and responsibilities be uh, both in the planning process and then as the audit's carried out? Very good. It's a great question. It's a very important aspect of a completing an, an effective audit, too. So in general, the, the team composition is going to be dictated by the audit scope, by the objectives, the, the organization itself, how complex or non-complex the types of operations that they conduct uh, involve. Uh, the size of the organization can be uh, a di- can dictate to, to some extent who you're going to involve and what are the competencies necessary of, of those individuals as well as the team composition to achieve the, the audit and its, its goals. So typically in an audit where you have more than one person, one, one of those people is going to be designated a lead or a lead auditor. Um, that lead auditor needs to have uh, experience in conducting and leading audits uh, over some period of time, you know, depending on the organization and their, their process and their requirements. Um, they also should have an understanding of management systems and particularly occupational health and safety management system. And of course, some understanding or familiarity with the standards and the other criteria that they're going to be evaluating their evidence against. Uh, with regard to other auditors on the team, they should, you know, they can be new to the, the process, but more often we want some experienced auditors who've been involved in other management system audits. They may not be lead auditors themselves or not ready to be lead auditors, but they have to have a knowledge of, of auditing. They have to have an understanding of the standards and the criteria as well. Um, in all cases, they should have good interpersonal skills. You're going to be you know, working with and talking to people throughout the audit. So we want to make sure they understand how to work with others and to ask questions in a manner that is, uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't create kickback from those who you're talking with. Um, they need to be thorough. Uh, they need to understand that the kinds of questions you're, you're going to ask need to focus in on uh, open-ended and gathering of information about the topics that you're looking at, as opposed to too much focus on short uh, oh, closed-ended where you're just eliciting yes and no type of questions. Um, you also, they also need to have an understanding of audit trails and how to follow those audit trails based on the information you're getting from the different sources. So all these factors go into how we select teams. Um, it's also a matter that the team that themselves need to be able to work well with each other. You obviously don't want to get uh, auditors who have conflicts, whether they're personal or professional or otherwise, because that could help to undermine the audit and its effectiveness as well. So um, there's there's multiple, multiple factors to look at, um, but in the end, you want an overall audit team that can achieve the goals and the objectives of the audit in an adequate, suitable, and effective manner. Okay, now uh, something you, you touched on a little bit earlier is defining the scope, and that, um, this I'm sure may depend on you know as you mentioned the size of your organization, how big your team is, what your capacity is. But during the planning process, how can you begin to identify the scope of an audit, and what factors 
might go into how broad or how narrow that scope might be. Sure. The first factor that's going to play into this is how often through your audit program you've decided to conduct your uh, management system audit. Um, If you're doing it only on an annual basis, chances are you need to set a scope that covers the entire organization and the entire uh, set of requirements in the standard and other and others uh, uh, as well. Um, if you're doing it more frequently, whether it's quarterly, monthly, bi-monthly, whatever, um, then you might be able to set a scope that is more focused, more narrow, and covers more particular areas of the organization as well as more particular areas of the standard and your management system. So, so that so the big factor there as a, is frequency of audits. Uh, another factor is competency of auditors. Um, you know, in early stages of an audit program, your auditors may not have the um, the level of skill, knowledge, and experience where they can do an entire system audit all at once. It may be more beneficial to narrow your scope because your auditors need time to mature in their in their skill set. Um, the complexity of the organization, uh, you know, if you uh, have an, uh, an organization that includes uh, multiple high level risk type of activities um, based on your own risk assessment, that may be a reason to, again, narrow the scope of your of your audits rather than having a broader scope. So we do look at risk. As a matter of fact, again, referring to ISO 19011, it talks a lot about how to assess the scope of an audit by way of risk evaluation. So you should be using risk as a factor in determining your scope, as well as how long, you know, in terms of your plan, how long you're going to be conducting audits in particular areas of the organization. Um, The objectives of your audit are going to also factor into the scope. One plays off the other. Um, You know, it's one of those things where you may start out with a certain scope, and then when you set your objectives, you look at the scope again and say, hmm, that's either too narrow or too broad for what we want to accomplish. Similarly, when you set the scope, you may look back at your objectives and say, we're not going to get there. We're not going to get there within this scope or the objectives are too narrow for the scope that we set. So these th- these these kind of activities when you're setting up your audit, when you're planning out your audit are iterative in some sense that you should be looking at all the factors throughout the planning process before you decide on exactly what you're going to do. Usually that's a short amount of time, um, but in some organizations, because it's an internal audit, you may have a matter of weeks to do your planning as opposed to oftentimes third-party external auditors have usually less than that amount of time to take take those things into consideration. Right. That's, that's, that's a really good point. Now, uh, I know documentation plays a huge role throughout the entire auditing process, making sure that you are you know, documenting everything that's being evaluated and assessed. So 
what are the documents that will be developed during the planning process to help you carry out a successful audit? Sure. Um, now, just leaning on the standard a little bit, the audit process and the audits themselves, and by definition, an audit is a documented activity. So the various kinds of documents that we want to have available and or create during each audit includes, first of all, the audit plan. That should be a documented uh, item um, that write, that has written down, whether it's electronically written or handwritten, as uh, up to you or up to the organization. But it should be writing, written down all those different factors we talked about earlier um, and anything else that's appropriate to the organization and to the specific audit that's going on. Um, there may be checklists that organizations can create to help the auditors to uh, carry out the audit more effectively, uh, you know, help them stay within their, their schedule and within their plan and help to guide. The big caution on checklists is that you don't want them to be the end all and be all of the audit, but instead you want them to be more of guidance and memory refreshers as opposed to focusing in on just those questions or those items on the uh, checklist. Uh, very often there will be a form for nonconformances that auditors are expected to complete uh, either during the audit or just immediately following the audit when they do find nonconforming uh, conditions or situations. Um, there's usually an audit report template that will that is included in the audit process description that audit the audit team will need to complete once the uh, audit activities are completed. Um, there could be other things like attendance forms for the opening and closing meetings. Um, some organizations might create a common note-taking template, and that's an important aspect of documenting the audit. Auditors are expected to take notes of their activities uh, or of the results of their activities, which would be notes of the interview, the information you get from interviews, notes of the documentation that is being reviewed and how it relates to the areas of the management system that you're evaluating at the time. And then also notes of observations of the operations and activities and noting where you see conforming versus possible non-conforming situations. Um, and then there could be others that an organization creates for various and sundry reasons. But each organization, you know, these, the ones I talked about here are some of the more typical ones. Yeah, I think that gives a really good idea, as you said, the, the importance of the documentation and, and the planning process and throughout. Uh, uh, anything else you'd like to uh, add about uh, planning for an OHSMS audit as, uh, as we wrap up? Uh, the only thing I would say is that um, as with most aspects of management systems approach, the idea is to take time to plan out what it is you're going to do to identify the areas of concern that you want, in this case, that you want to evaluate uh, and to make sure that you're giving yourself time during the audit activities within the overall time frame you've established to get it done, to gather good evidence that either demonstrates conformance, which obviously is what we want to have, 
or nonconformance as the case may be, so that the information can be used to drive overall system improvement as well as individual process and program improvements. That's that's a great point because as as we've talked about today, that's what uh, you know having a health and safety management system and and the uh, and the auditing is all about when it comes right down to it. Uh, so uh, uh, thank you so much again uh, for coming on, Ken, and sharing your expertise. I know you've given our listeners a, a lot to think about as they plan their uh, their OHSMS audits, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you again soon when we're going to talk about conducting an OHSMS audit. So thank you again. Thanks, Scott. No, just say. Uh... In closing, that if people are interested in learning more, look into our internal auditor training course that we have going. We both have an uh, online course, and we do provide it in-person courses during the conferences. Absolutely. I encourage folks to, to take a look at that. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the ASSP Safety Standards and Tech Pubs podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with us at ASSP.org and follow us on Twitter at ASSP Safety. We'll see you next time.